up again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past Good morning. Welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith and Mick Lowe's. How are you, Mick? Very good, Steve. You? Yep, very good, mate. Very good. Good, good. good As good. always, and now I talk to Newcastle United and a chance for uh, people in the chat to ask questions. And uh, let's open it straight up with uh, Jody Tune for Life, who says, Morning, Steve and Mick. Hope you're both well. Mm. No negative talk. Let's talk. Uh, let's just talk about Bruno. He is magic. What a player he's going to be with added quality next season. Years since we had a player like this. Yeah, Bruno, we've been speaking a few for, for a few mm. weeks now about when's he going to get his chance? When's he going to mm. get his chance? Well, he's had his chance now and um, we've had a good look at him. What What's your views on uh, Bruno, Mick? Uh, funny enough, my first thought about Bruno was, um, was Thursday night at Goodison because... Um, I don't think it was the greatest game in the world. It was stop-start. We had the ridiculous interruption, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It was just a strange old game, you know, whatever it was, 14 added on minutes, et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing I really, really enjoyed and I really liked, and I'll be interested to know whether many other people thought of this, but I thought there was a game within a game going on at Goodison Park between two individuals who I thought, I just thought it was a really, really intriguing game of football. And it was between a 24-year-old Brazilian by the name of Bruno Guimarães and a 21-year-old scouser called Anthony Garden and Gordon. And the pair of them were like at it from one minute through to 90 minutes. I mean, Gordon, I think, was, was substituted towards the end. But I watched the first half and honestly, you know, I thought Newcastle are fine. Absolutely fine. Look, Okay, created one or two chances, but the single the single item of the game in that first 45 was Bruno because he just looked class. He just looked like he oozed, oozed class. And you've got this kid of 21 years of age who's trying to snipe at him, he's trying to kick him, he's trying to do this, he's doing all the sort of things that players should do. I'm sure Frank Lampard had said to him, Look, get about this Brazilian. Get about him. Try and stop him. He's very good. And Gordon was 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 really doing his utmost. But but Bruno just looked fantastic. And yet, a little bit like the game of football as a whole, the first half was all about Everton and the first half... Sorry, the first half was all about Newcastle and Bruno. The second half suddenly became Gordon's game. And suddenly Bruno disappeared a little bit. So did an awful lot of Newcastle players. And this kid, Gordon, I thought was outstanding. Absolutely. I thought he was Everton's best player. I thought he was driving them on. He was doing the sorts of things that Newcastle weren't doing in, in the second half. So just to, just to go back to that little microcosm that was Gordon versus Bruno, which I thought was a fantastic battle between two, you know, as I say, one's a Brazilian, one's a Scouser, one's 21. One's 24, one's full international, one's trying to become a full international. They just look two really good players at it for 90 minutes. And in the end, Everton somehow, probably very fortuitously, managed to win the game. Gordon wins the game, etc., etc. But going back to Bruno, as I say, second half, like an awful lot of black and white stripes, he sort of disappeared. But first half, on the basis of the first half, I just thought, if this is the sort of player we're going to see for the next five years, 10 years, hopefully, what a player we've got in store here. Because he's just playing the ball. He's what he's he's holding off players. He's he, he was doing all the things from the first to the 45th minute that very few Newcastle players were doing it. Even though we played well first half, we weren't really that great. He was looking, I thought he looked Absolutely fantastic. It's just a shame, a bit like Newcastle, he faded and died in the second half. John Askew says, Morning, lads. Is there a danger that Eddie might be a bit too loyal regarding team selection? For example, Wood and Kraft. I mean, I just thought it was, you know, squad rotation. He had to do it. The games are coming thick and fast and injuries, illness, uh, suspensions played a part throughout the season. Um, I don't think he's been loyal at all. And I don't think he's got much option up front as, as regards Wood. 100% Steve, 100%. That's exactly what it is. You, 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 you're loyal. You're loyal. You, you, you stick to T. You know, they went nine games unbeaten. You don't start chopping and changing it. 
you don't think, OK, maybe Emil Kraft could have a bad day. And that's possible. Maybe um, Chris Wood should score more goals. Yes, he should score more goals. But Emil Kraft and Chris Wood were two of 11 players as a team, as a unit, as a squad who were turning it on week in, week out for nine games. And as a result, we picked up 21 games. We won six games. You know, we did things that we weren't even dreaming in 2021. So can you look at, even think about Chris Wood? Can you think about putting a question against Emil Kraft? No, of course you can't. But the other side of the equation is having lost two games and we're not scoring goals and we've only scored one centre-forward goal in the last 11 games. You know, Chris Wood's only only goal so far of the of the eleven that Newcastle have scored. Now, if suddenly we 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 we, we score uh, uh, fail to score and lose at Tottenham, have, then he might have to change it. But at this minute in time, no. And and if he is loyal, that's exactly what's got him manager of the month, and that's what's got Newcastle in a position that they're in, looking as if they're gonna they're gonna survive, um, and relegation and the worry of relegation has disappeared, and it's disappeared. Because whether people like it or not, and I was critical of Kraft, and I'm not the greatest fan in the world of Chris Wood, but Chris Wood and Emil Kraft are part of a team. They're part of a team that are working together. And as a result, because they're working together, they're winning games. So leave it as it is. It might well change. We don't know. We don't know what's around the corner in terms of results. You know, let's put it this way. On December the 27th, or whatever it is, how many people, if you'd ask them, for the next nine games, you'll go unbeaten, you'll pick up 21 points, you'll win six, you'll draw three. People would have had you locked up. They'd have had you locked up. As it stands, we're fine. Don't beat ourselves up about two defeats, one against Chelsea, one against Everton. Yes, they were frustrating. Yes, they weren't ideal. But don't beat yourselves up about it. The result, I mean, ironically, ironically, Everton winning against Newcastle and Leeds' remarkable win last night. Actually, what's that done is it's it's almost left that bottom three apart now. Yes, you've got Burnley with two games in hand, but the three of those all of a sudden look like they're in the wilderness. They really do look like they're in the wilderness. So even if there was any slight glimmer of chance, and you would never, and Eddie Howe would never say Newcastle were safe, even, ironically, the win against uh, Newcastle for Everton and Leeds yesterday has helped the situation in terms of those bottom three are very, very, very dangerous now. Yeah. Jersey Mag says, do you think a post or pre-season training camp in the Middle East is looking likely given the team's tendency to head to that area for training camps? Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, the majority owner is from Saudi. You would imagine there's going to be a lot more of this, Mick. Well, I have to say, the thing I'm a little bit surprised at... Um, without wanting to be too contentious. And I certainly don't want to go into some of the nonsense we've been seen and heard about for the last week or so. But I'm a little bit surprised that rather than uh, being in Dubai at this minute in time, then they're not in Saudi Arabia. I mean, I, you know, they were in Saudi Arabia a month ago, whenever it was. Um, that They are, that you know, that is whether we like it or not, um, you know, that's that's where our owners are from. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit surprised rather than being in Dubai, we're in Saudi, maybe politically. Maybe they thought that there might have been a little bit um, too much pressure put on uh, the football club. Um, but no, I mean, uh, every do you know what it is? I found I found a program in the week. Just this is just a complete aside. I found a, a, a program Arsenal against Everton 1971. And I'm skimming through it. Things I do, things I do. Sad man I am. Um, and there's pictures in this programme, first game of the season, 1971, and there's pictures of Arsenal on a pre-season tour of Australia. Arsenal were doing it in Australia in 1971. 51 years ago, teams were playing abroad. Squads were going abroad for a bit of warm weather. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's nothing new, but... And now it's an even smaller world. So, yeah, play away. Go go wherever we need to go. As long as it doesn't disrupt, as long as it doesn't, uh, uh, you know, af affect 
um, motivation, etc. Just carry on doing it. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I feared for what Gordon may have delivered, and he did, says Roger Cook. Would you consider him as a signing, Mick? Who, who was the name? Gordon, uh, Anthony Gordon from uh, Everton. Well, I, I, honestly, I, I raved about him. I, I, I thought he was fantastic. But then again, I have to say, I was trying to think this morning, I couldn't think of the life of me. There was a, there was a blonde-haired midfield player at Everton about two years ago and everybody was raving about him. And I thought, oh, he's going to be a player. And he's completely disappeared. Apologies, I can't remember that. Somebody, somebody will come up with him. He, was a, he used to wear around his socks blonde haired, had a couple of outstanding games at midfield uh, for Everton, but has, has disappeared. But no, I thought I thought Gordon was very good. Very, very good. And, and, and they're the likes of players. Having said that, what I would say is, um, I think in terms of the summer, obviously we're going to need to cherry pick a centre forward. I think we should cherry pick a centre back. Um, and there are probably one or two other elements of the game. And if we're going to do that with a midfield player, I think, again, we look to cherry pick. I think we look to find, you know, because of the because of the um, the finance um, and, and, and the money that we have at, at Newcastle, we're in a position where we can go out and play uh, with proper money, proper money. And that's what that's what the top teams do. Now, we're not a top team, but what we are able to do because we've got that amount of wealth is to go and try and persuade a top midfield player, a top, you know, in the way that we, we, we signed the biggest player in the world to sign Shearer. I'm not saying we should get the biggest in the world, but I think we should get top, top value in terms of a centre forward and maybe a centre a center midfield player. And Anthony Gordon wouldn't fit into that element at this minute in time. Yeah, the Daily Mail is reporting that Neymar uh, could be on his way to Newcastle. <laughs> it started early. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, Vince Smith says, I kind of believe the negativity. The lads have given their all in three games in short yeah. period of time. The lads were drained. We're going to yeah. be fine and wholly in love with the tune. Come on. I mean, yeah, I mean, social media, we talk about it every every night on here. Uh, we, you know, we link to it. We see people's comments. It's how you gauge, you know, some some public opinion. Not all yeah. it has to be said. But yeah, yeah, been a lot of negativity, Mick. And it, I, I just don't go on after a game. It's pointless. Well, I mean, you, you don't even have to think about it. You don't even have to um, worry too much about it or emphasise about this, that and the other. All you need to do, because we all talk about it and everybody's obsessed with it these days, is stats. So in the same way that we were quite happy with life when we were unbeaten in nine and we'd gone nine games unbeaten for the first time um, in over 10 years. Now, whether you just turn it round, you say it's two defeats in 11. Now, I'm sorry, but two defeats in 11 is pretty good. Two defeats in 11, there's not many teams and probably only the top two or three teams, four teams in that entire division who would be happy with only two defeats in 11. So, you know, and of those two defeats in 11, one was a very positive defeat against Chelsea. The second was a little bit worrying. The second was a, a little bit, um, not, not, I wouldn't say difficult, but, but certainly the second half was probably a bit of a realistic check, you know. And I, and I think Eddie Howe was right when he was asked about, did, did he think that they'd played too many games um, and that they were physically worn? I don't think they were physically worn against Everton. I think they were mentally worn against Everton. I think they were just a little bit off it in terms of the way that, you know, that, that they set about the game. Because there was there was one famous opportunity, and I, I'll, I'll talk about this, um, Steve. And I think Eddie Howe's probably talked about this and I'm sure his staff have talked about this. And I'm sure the players are, 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 are obvious enough to thought about this. Right. Three games ago, whenever it was, you, I think you were there. Brentford. You were there at Brentford. OK. 11 minutes after Brentford, what happened, Steve? A red card. OK. And ironically, it was a VAR red card as well. It was a red card that nobody really saw. But VAR saw it, picked it up, knocked out goes De Silva. Brentford are down to 10 men. Happy days. OK? Yeah. Newcastle, perfectly. I can remember the, the next podcast we did, and I talked about how well they worked it, how well they worked it. They worked it left. 
They worked it right. Because if you're down to 10 men, as the, as the side with 10 men, you, you ignore the flanks because you need to, to congest the game of football in the middle. So your midfield and your centre-backs, everybody's trying to keep a hold of the ball because you're a man down. There's lots of space out wide. So as a result at Brentford, we moved it left, we moved it right, we moved it here. We were fantastic. We whipped the ball in and Joe Linton gets the header. We go 1-0, we then go 2-0, we win the game. Happy days. We were proper, proper. The way that they dealt with the red card, the, day, the, the, the way that Newcastle dealt with having an extra man was fantastic. What did we do on Thursday? With 20-odd minutes left, we get a red card. This was fortuitous. This was a VAR, which for me should never have been a VAR and probably shouldn't have been a red card. But either way... Newcastle, who were in the situation there where you just move it around, you pull it wide, you move it around, you create the option and you score the goal. We never did it. We were all over the place. We were running down blind alleys. We were running into cul-de-sacs. We looked like kids in the playground. We were running around. ASM was running around doing his headless chicken. You've got, you know, Joe Linton was losing the ball. Joe Willock was losing the ball. Almiron was losing the ball. We weren't, we weren't disciplined. We were disciplined at Brentford with 10 men. We weren't disciplined against uh, Everton. And as a result, not only did we not win the game, we ended up losing the game. And I, and I watched Eddie Howe's language and his body language. And I thought to myself, more than anything, he wasn't, an, he wasn't annoyed with the, the fact that necessarily they'd lost the game. The fact that they put a shift in, but they just let their discipline down. They let their ability, they let their confidence down. And there's a measure of what happened against Brentford and what happened against Everton. Yeah, you're right, Mick. You're right. Lots of comments coming in. This is fantastic time to be a mag. There's a stack of fans like me who felt completely disenfranchised under Ashley, uh, who now have hope and some uh, and Steve Middlemas says, teams now know we're not an easy three points. Lampard said we were difficult to play against all game. And that's great. It, it just shows what Eddie Howe is doing. Um, you know, it, I, thought, I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was very significant, Steve. I really did. I really did. Because sometimes you get opposing managers uh, and opposing opposition just making, you know, they're, 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 you know they're, they're basically just making twee comments about, oh, well, well done, unlucky, well done, unlucky. Frank Lampard properly, and he, if he didn't say it once, he said it twice, and he may have said it three times in his post-match television because he just said, they are a good team. They are a hard team. That was not only a big win for Everton, that was a tough win for Everton. Now, again, going back to the point of December last year, Steve, would we have thought that? Would Everton have thought that? No, no. And maybe the fact that, that you know, Everton uh, and, and, and Goodison Park was making the noise it was making was not only because they were aware of the fact that they needed to win the game and they're struggling. And, and, and if you think about Everton, historically, nobody, nobody has kept the top flight of English football longer than Everton Football Club. Forget Man United, forget Arsenal, forget Tottenham, forget Newcastle. Forget all the clubs who've played top-level football over hundreds and hundreds of years. Everton have done it more. So think about the history they've got. I mean, when when remember when we talked about it last week, when Newcastle famously almost dropped into the third tier. You know, it was it was oh, it was it was it was mortifying. And managed, you know, in the end, managed to survive and go on and and do better things. But Everton have only ever something like five seasons in their entire life being, the, being in the second flight of English football. It's, so on, on Thursday night, that noise wasn't just about that history, wasn't just about Everton trying to prevent something that very, very, very rarely happens. But that noise in terms of kudos to Newcastle was about the noise that they were needing to make against a team who were very good, who were very good you know, Newcastle. So, you know, there, there was there was almost reverse psychology going on there from both Lampard and the uh, and the Everton fans. They know they know as the rest of the country knows, you know, Newcastle are a proper game again. They're a prop. They're a proper team again. You know what we've got to do, what we've got to do is not let Chelsea and Everton 
follow on with Tottenham and then those three home wins uh, against Wolves, Leicester and Palace. Yeah. Um, Kenny Ransom wants to know what is on your cup, Mick? What's on my cup? Oh, this cup? Yeah. That cup is, um, it's a brewery, funnily enough, um, in, in Newark. Uh, so they are called, uh, uh, it's the it's Blue Monkey Brewery. Blue, anyone wants to do WW? I, I used to get there quite a lot. Uh, it's a it's a pub in Newark called the Organ Grinder, right? Um, and funnily enough, funnily enough, and I don't get in there very often now. There's a Geordie. The landlord is a Geordie. So if you're ever in the Organ Grinder in Newark, there's a Newcastle fan behind the door, uh, behind the bar as a as an owner. Okay, uh, Jan uh, Jan says uh, ASM. Yes, he can change a game, and yes, he can dribble, but he's a waste of time in the team as a whole. I hope we sell him in the summer and get a proper winger. Yeah, the ASM debate is really, uh, you know, it's over, it's hotting up, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and and I think just because maybe predominantly of um, not so much against Chelsea, but certainly against Everton. But I will absolutely say two things. One. He was not the only one at Everton, and I've already mentioned it about 10 minutes ago. Giving the ball away. We gave the ball away so cheap. We gave the ball away too often. And yes, he came on as a sub ASM, which isn't the easiest thing in the world, especially when it's it's real blood and thunder stuff at Goodison. Because Joe Linton, Joe Willock, Al Miron were just as bad. You know, they picked the ball up, they carried it, and then they just left it. You know, they, they lost. We, we never... We never got a flow. First half wasn't too bad, but second half we were giving the ball left, right, and centre. The other thing about ASM that I would, I would, uh, well, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sort of apologise for him. But what I would say is, think about these three other players: David Ginola, Hatton Ben Arthur, and Lauren Robert. They are peas from a pod of ASM. They, you know, they're all French. They're all essentially wingers. But they're all inconsistent, with the exception potentially of Ginola, who was a, a great player. But don't forget, you, you talk about John Beresford. You know John Beresford. I know John Beresford. You know, talk to Bez about Ginola. Never, ever saw him. You know, there was, there was no backtracking. There was no working. There was, but that's what you have to do sometimes. You have to allow these mavericks to go on and do the things they do. I remember Hatton Ben Arthur who, again, used to drive us mad, didn't he? I remember a first game of the season at Aston Villa. He had an absolute stormer. He was here, there and everywhere. And I interviewed him afterwards. And I said, Hatem, you've, you've had a whole pre-season. Do you think we're going to see the, the true Hatem Ben Arthur? He said, I think we will. I, 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 I know now. I know about the Premier League. I know England. I will get the get. Honestly, next game, awful. You know, hit and miss, hit and miss, hit and miss. Lauren Robert, exactly the same. So it is that very difficult situation that managers have. Do you try and live with the enigma? Do you live with the maverick? Because he's a talented, talented player. But sometimes, sometimes you need 11 and you need that player just to do the simple thing. And he needs to do the simple thing more. As it turns out, you know, Joe Linton, Almiron and Joe Willett weren't particularly simplistic either. But... It will be interesting to see whether long-term um, ASM is is still... A, and you've got to remember as well that, that there's always that different argument with overseas players, Steve, that they don't hang around too long. That's, that, that's, 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 that's nothing to do with ASM. That's just football. That's just foreigners generally. They, 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 get, they get wanderlust. They want to go to Spain. Then they want to go to France. Then they want to go to Germany. Then they want to go to the Premier League for a bit. It's, it's just the nature of the beast. He, he's not the only one and there'll be plenty of others. So let's just watch that space. Yeah, lots of comments coming in. John says, is it one of Eddie's main challenges to incorporate Maxi's style uh, in, in, into, the, into the team? I guess it is, really. Um, if he's going to be here and, and here for a while, then you're going to have to get him to, to play the way you want him to play. Well, I think we I think we made the point last week or the or, or the or the point before Steve that what 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 we've got to remember is that for the first half of the season up until December, there was almost there was almost ASM and only ASM. It was he was just about the only option we had to try and win a game. 
or to try and provide the options or to try and provide the ammunition for somebody else to score. The, so he, he really was almost single-handedly the number one option that we have to try and win games of football. And we weren't winning them and we weren't winning any of them and we weren't winning them very well. What Eddie Howe has done collectively since December is to, is to, is to gear it up and, and, and sort it out as an eleven, as a squad, as a team. And all of a sudden, you don't need the single-handed maverick left-sided, right-sided, through the middle, wherever you want to call him. So, you know, it, 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 it has changed. The nature, the nature of Newcastle United Football Club has changed in the way that Eddie Howe has changed it. Um, so, so ASM might think that he's going to be the, the life and soul of the party. He's not the life and soul of the party anymore. And all of a sudden, he needs to be disciplined. I'll use that word there again, disciplined. He needs to be disciplined. He needs to keep a hold of the ball. He needs to just, just get rid of the ball. He, he, he just keeps running down these, these wide players, keeps running up cul-de-sacs, keeps running up blind alleys, keeps throwing it away, giving it away. He's got to change it. And I, I think I said three weeks ago, he needs a kick up the backside. And if he wants to be a proper player, and if he wants to be a squad player, and if he wants to be a team player, then yes, there's, you know, there's an opportunity there from Newcastle. But I don't think, from what I've seen of Eddie Howe, I don't think, um, I don't think Eddie Howe will be over-impressed if every time ASM does something like that, that he'll, he'll just won't persevere with him. You know, all of a sudden somebody else will come in because at least I can rely on that person. He might not be the greatest player in the world. He might not be as good a player as ASM, but he will do more for the other 10 than, uh, than Alanson Maximum would. Yeah, ASM not fit to lace Janola and Rebez boots, says Andrew. Totally agree, Mick, says Alan. Uh, if we'd scored first, we would have won comfortably. No good blame on ASM. He wasn't on the pitch for the first 70 minutes, for God's That's sake. True. Tom says, uh, watching uh, last night's game, do you think Norwich, Watford and Burnley will go? It's so tight at the bottom of the table. You touched on it earlier. I mean, it's it, there's, yeah. you know, they're, they're marooned at the bottom, but there is a couple of games in hand there for Burnley. Well, I mean, you would, I suppose, you, I think you've probably got to say um, that, that, that Burnley's um, two games in hand is the only, only salvation, I think, for that bottom three. Um, because obviously, if... If Burnley pick up an extra six points, I think, I think, if, if memory serves me, I think that pulls them to within about three of Newcastle and obviously other teams in and around Newcastle, the, the likes of Everton and Leeds United. But it's that old adage, Steve, you know, you'd rather have the points in the bag than, than, the, than, the, than the games ready to play. Um, I, don't know who, I don't know who Burnley's games in hand are. But, you know, they're going to have to. They're going to have to win two out of two. And that's, that's almost impossible at that end of situ that, uh, that end of a, uh, of a season. Uh, if you're in that bottom three, if you've only won six or seven games all season, believe me, you're not going to start winning two out of two. You're not going to start winning four out of six um, and survive. That's why. That's why Eddie Howe is manager of the month. That's why. What Newcastle have done in terms of nine games unbeaten, 21 points and six wins from nine games is extraordinary by the standards of a team that is normally flailing at the bottom three, four, five of the Premier League. So it, it, it very rarely happens. It's happened for Newcastle. Thank God it. Um, but I can't see it happening to Burnley again either. Big shout out to our sponsors, Spider VPN, for all your internet security. They are the boys to trust. Just Google them. They come up at the top of the Google search list. Thanks also to skipsandbins.com, telephone 0800 25 45 253. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com, website www.skipsandbins.com. And to Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD Hemp and Cannabinoid Specialists, www.thegohd.com. Thanks to Arcot Interiors as well. Uh, they are based on Heaton Road for all your kitchen necessities. Google Arcot Interiors. They come up at the top of the Google search list. And thanks also to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle, and the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. Thanks also to Kai. Meet the new game over screen dropping to a Clearun device near you, available on Apple Store, Google Play, and Clearun.game. 
check out jabsignature.co.uk and thanks to Media Arts for all the video work that they do. Subscribe to the channel by hitting the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right-hand corner. Hit the thumb up to like the video, click share to share to your social media and drop into the comments box to speak to like-minded Newcastle fans. We are also available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify and the rest. Usually goes up 24 hours after the show finishes. And if you subscribe to the channel, you'll now get an NUFC Matters car sticker. Simply subscribe and email nufcmatters.com and you can claim your free car sticker today. We also support the food bank on here, nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk. Make a virtual donation via the match day bucket at any time throughout the year. And uh, join the raffle as well. Tickets for Alan Shearer's uh, 260 dinner are close to selling out, but we did put a table aside for NUFC Matters viewers. Uh, so the third raffle begins uh, or began last night. Uh, win two tickets for the dinner. And uh, the raffle, it's a fiver a ticket and uh, 99 tickets. So 99 to one chance of winning. Uh, go to nufcmatters.com uh, to enter today and it will be drawn on Friday's Three Amigos show. And if you want to buy tickets for the event, uh, just go to... 260dinner.co.uk and uh, don't forget as well the food bank t-shirt is on my twitter at Steve Wraith Joe Linton has agreed to sign the t-shirt uh, get your bid underneath the post on my twitter account at Steve Wraith uh, to uh, enter and that again will be drawn on Friday's show Paul Oxley says Mick do you think we will get rid of Chris Wood in the summer if we bring a top draw striker in uh, just before I do that, can I just mention on the subject of all your shows there? Yeah. Can I say? Can I say? Well done, well done to our very good friend and very very fine NUFC supporter Jake Burns. Stiff little stiff little fingers were at the city hall last night. I I missed him and I'm absolutely devastated. I missed him and couldn't see him at Rock City in Nottingham on Monday. Um, but they were on at the city hall last night. SLF. And apparently they were absolutely bar barnstorming. So for, for Jake and the guys, fantastic at the City Hall. I bet he absolutely loved it. Two years of COVID, back at live venue, back in his in his in his beloved Newcastle, in front of his beloved St James's Park, not a million miles away. Uh, they've still got a few dates to go. I'm trying to pick a, a, a gig with them at Thorsby Park. In, in August, but they are doing more still stiff little fingers. But he is one proper black and white, and they are a proper band, stiff little fingers. So well done to the boys last night, and uh, I hope he's got a thick head this morning. And I'm sure a good, I'm sure a good few old punks such as myself are absolutely got thick heads as well this morning. Um, going back to Chris Wood, um, difficult, Chris, difficult. Uh, sorry, Chris, uh, Steve. Um, as much as anything, because I think whether we like it or not, um, he has only scored four of 31 games this season. Uh, he hadn't scored six before Burnley. He's only got one in 10 here. But what he's been doing is he's been contributing without a shadow of a doubt. He's he, he's put a shift in. He's he's, he's 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 held the ball up. He's done this. He's done that. He's done the other. But at the end of the day, Steve, he's expected to be a centre forward. He's expected to be a goal scorer. And as I've said, in the 11 uh, goals that we've we've scored in that unbeaten run, we've only scored one centre-forward goal. Trippier's chipped in, ASM's chipped in, uh, Bruno's chipped in with a goal, Joel Linton's chipped in with a goal. The centre-forward has only got the one. Now, I know that Eddie Howe is a big fan of his, but while you're winning... There's not a problem while you while you're unbeaten. There's not a problem. It's 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 it sort of it masks the fact that the 25 million pound centre forward that you bought isn't scoring goals. But the, but they're doing fine. They're doing fine. Six wins, three draws, no no defeat in the last nine. Suddenly they lose at Chelsea. Now it wasn't any bar any any way whatsoever anything to do with Chris Wood. Everton, I didn't think he was great. Any on a. There were one or two occasions, a couple of headers, a couple of chances against Everton that I would have thought, and I remember listening to, to, to Alan Shearer doing the commentary, said he may be and could have done a little bit better. I think it's getting to Chris Wood a little bit. But at the end of the day, going back to the point about the summer, I don't think anybody, anybody, Steve, genuinely, genuinely believed 
We were buying Chris Wood for three years, four years, five years. We were building Chris Wood to not only survive in the Premier League and then finish top six and then try and do the sorts of things that we're trying to do. So actually, the priority once upon a time in January was getting a centre forward that we didn't have, finding a body in there, finding somebody who knows the Premier League, knows what's to do, um, works hard, etc., etc. And he's ticked all of those boxes. But we never put him in there to be the next Shearer. We never put him in there to be the next McDonald. We never put him in there to be the next Mo Salah. We just put him in there to be a body, to work hard. And he has been a massive contributor to a run that is essentially, essentially, Steve, even now, has kept us in the, in the Premier League. Now, what happens long term remains to be seen. My opinion is, and I think probably most opinions thing is, that if we want to go to the next level, it doesn't take a genius to work out that Chris Wood will not be the standoff centre forward that we have. He may well be a squad player. He may well be on the bench next season. But at this minute in time, I'm not, I am certainly not going to knock him because he has played a big, big part, if nothing else, in the last 11 games, including the two that we've lost. Yeah, I would agree with that, Mick. Uh, Spine of the team in the summer um, is where we need to uh, strengthen. Who are we going to get? We've been waiting years for this, says Steve. Uh, Jersey Mag says, how many players do you think we'll let go? Alternately, bring in as replacements for uh, next season with Premier League football looking realistic. And Mick and Steve, how many players do you see leaving in the summer? Lots of people starting to look ahead to the summer, Mick. It's a bit premature, I have to say. You know, I mean, I, 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 as much as I would love to say, yes, we're going to do this. Yes, we're going to do that. Um, then all of a sudden, you know, Leeds United won 3-2 at Wolves. Then, you know, Everton beat us at Goodison Park. So let's just wait. Let's just wait until probably, what would it be, another three or four games time. You know, we'll, we'll maybe two wins, two wins, whatever we need from the next five or six. Then we can physically and mathematically say, yes, we're in the Premier League. Then think about it. But then even then, we don't really know. You know, we don't really know because it's it's a getting to know your process. You know, we, we've had a, an owner for 14 years. Prior to that, we had Sir John and Freddie, you know, who we pretty well knew, you know, that they were they were local lads. You know, so so again, we know we've 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 got ownership who are who are finding their way in the game. So, you know, let's 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 not be. Let's not be hollabaloo. Let, let's 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 not just jump at it and say, right, we're going to do this. We're going to do Neymar. We're going to get a centre forward. Let's just bide it by. You know, we're still waiting on on a director of football, which is a big one because he will be an an integral part of signings. We need a chief executive again. That will be an integral part of signings. You know, these these are moves that we can't even make or decisions that we can't make until we've got the people to do it. So there's no point even thinking about anything until the likes of Dan Ashworth, until the likes of a chief executive are at the football club. But that's fine, Steve. That's fine. You know, let's let's just let, let's just be happy that we are where we are, because honestly, six weeks ago or two months ago, whatever it was in December, we were in peril. We were in peril. Suddenly, Eddie Howe has turned it around. We've got manager of the month. We've done very well at Chelsea. We were poor second half against Everton. But if that is the, la you know, if that's the worst thing that has happened for Newcastle United since December the 27th, I'll take it all day, every day. I really would. Yeah, me too. Uh, we need a big clear out in the summer, says Tom. Um, we play Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool, Burnley last four games, says Alan of the season. I'm expecting 10 points. That's how far we've come. <laughs> I don't think we'll put our expectations of hit the roof. Yeah, I mean, it's about keeping your feet on the ground, Mick, isn't it, really? And like you say, let's give it a yeah. couple of games. Let's get two more wins and then we can start looking towards that. I was, I was thinking about it yesterday. It, 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 in, 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 in football, Steve, in, in, in teams. So if you're, if, if you're playing for the school under eights or if you're playing for the, for the, for the, for the, I don't know. If you if you're playing for the Sunday morning team, if you're playing for Saturday afternoon, if if you're playing, you know, for the boys' club, whoever you're playing for, if you've got a if you've got a, a an eleven man team, if you've got a squad, if you've got a manager, the first thing you, you the first thing you want to do 
is is get it working hard. You get it working hard. You get it to try and make life difficult for the opposition. We weren't doing that. We weren't doing that until December. We weren't doing that until October. You know, Eddie Howe has turned that round. First and foremost, what he did was he got them fit enough. He got them hardworking enough. He got them concerted enough. He got them to give an opposition a game of football. The second thing you want then is not to lose a game and possibly, if you can, win a game. Suddenly, since December, we've got hardworking. We've got as if we're, we're, we're putting a shift in. And all of a sudden, as a result, we stopped losing games. And then we started winning games. So we got nine games where we won six and we drew three. Fine. The next thing you want, if you've got to that stage with your game of football, you want to be consistent. You want to be consistent. You want game in, game out to do the same, if it's possible, if it's possible. Now, for nine games, we were pretty consistent. We were pretty consistent against Chelsea. We were inconsistent against Everton. Second half, we dropped off. We dropped off completely. We let our standards down. We let us we, we let ourselves slip. We gave the ball away. We didn't we didn't punish Everton on a ten man um, on a red card that really shouldn't have been one. And we should have done what we did against Brentford. We should have turned the screw on Everton in the way that we did against Brentford. But we didn't, and we weren't consistent. So we still have inconsistency. And then the level above that, if you're a football team, is the quality, the real quality. Now, we're not at that level at all yet. And that's why we're talking about who we want to sign, what we want to do. We The, the quality side of the situation will be for times to come. It will be for money to be spent. It'll be for deals to be done in the summer. But the consistency in the meantime, we can still do. Because we've cracked the, we've cracked the hard working. We've cracked the ability to win a game of football and not lose a game of football. We just need to stay consistent. And that's what Eddie Howe has taken them to Dubai to work on them again. So when we come back against Tottenham, Palace, Wolves, we start going again. We start being consistent again. And it's a process that goes on and on and on. And the Liverpools and the Guardiolas of Manchester City, they do it. Manchester United did it for 15 years. Consistency, game after game after game. It's almost repetitive. It's almost boring that you just keep doing it. Newcastle need to keep doing that. They need to keep their standards. They need to keep themselves making life difficult for the likes of Everton. They made life too easy for Everton on Thursday night. Yeah, uh, Jordi Tuvalay says, we play, when we play Liverpool, it's right in the middle of their Champions League games. We'll shock Liverpool amongst other teams who actually look a bloody good side now. Gary says, do you still keep in touch with Ando? Do you miss chewing the fat and Shearer's bar with him? So, you, you still keep in touch with Ando, but yeah, how big a difference, how big a thing is that really, Mick, that we've now got Shearer's bar back? If, 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 if I had, if I had 30 seconds, I could go and get it, and I nearly brought it this morning in the end, I thought, no. But I have a bottle of brown with Shearer's Bar, the official brown bottle. I've still got that. And I've also got the card for the gala opening of Shearer's Bar. I've still, I've still got them. I've still kept them. Uh, Ando, uh, yeah, I spoke to him yesterday. Spoke to him yesterday. Spoke to him about Cheltenham. Speak to him all the time. Um, yeah, he's fine. He's good. Um, uh, and like all of us, um, he, he, you know, he's, he's just enjoying the fact that because because you know the, the 25 years we did together well almost the whole of the 25 years I did he was he was almost there all the way through you know when it's good it's great it's like you and Holly and the lads going to the game it's like me going to the game it was like me being a commentator you enjoy it you like it there's nothing better than watching your team or just doing a commentary you know even if it wasn't me if even if I, mean, I remember one year they sent me to 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 live a team in um, a radio station in Liverpool sent me to Valencia to do Valencia Liverpool, and I just loved it because it's a proper game of football and I and I didn't have to think too much. But when you enjoy it, when you enjoy it, it just makes it a different world, doesn't it? It makes it makes the it makes the place a happy place, and that's what Ando's like at the minute. That's what Matthew Raysbeck will be like as a commentator. That's what I was like as a commentator. It, it there's nothing worse than sitting there with a microphone for 90 minutes thinking, 
Oh my God. Here we go again. This is wrong. That's wrong. We're losing again. This is, you know, the, the ownership started it off. Now Eddie Howe has started it along. And hopefully come the summer, come some point next season, we might, we might, might just be in a situation where we are genuinely, genuinely getting somewhere around top seven, top eight, top nine, maybe. And then let's just follow it on. Our players are not used to playing three games a week, but this could change in a year or two. We need quality and depth, but it takes time to build that squad. Yes, Jordy Toombalay, you're on fire this morning, 100%. Uh, <laughs> I agree with that. And yeah, good to see you as well. Uh, Newcastle are going to get a game in under the belt, Mick. It's important, isn't it? Team bonding's important. Obviously, Chris Wood's going to get the opportunity to go on this trip because he was playing international football, of course, the last time they, they, they flew out to Saudi. Uh, but yeah, getting a game under your belt, you know, after you've done all of the training, the you know the, the you know the you know, working on set pieces and stuff, putting it into mm. practice is is very important. You know, and, and that that's good. That's good news. Well, I mean, it it was it was without a shadow of a doubt a, a major factor. You know, you know, yes, you know, we did this. Yes, we did that. Yes, Eddie Howe tactically has done one or two little tweaks. Yes, they've worked hard. Yes, their fitness looks better. But that little trip. To, to Saudi Arabia in order just to have some bonding session. It was a very, very, very important point. It, you know, a lot of people might think it's, 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 a, it's a jolly up. People might think that, you know, he, he's, he's overstating it. But honestly, if you think about it, like you and I, like anybody, you know, if you work with somebody, how well do you really know them? And we're talking about, we're talking about people who work, work. We're talking about doctors. We're talking about nurses. We're talking about the bin man. We're talking about the guy who works in the shop. You know, you, you, might, you might spend eight hours a day with somebody, but how, how do you really know them? Now, this, footballers, they only know each other three hours a day. You know, they don't know each other properly. So it's an important thing to take them away and make them sit down and talk to people. I used to say this all the time. Sit down and talk to him. And especially in football, where you're talking about a Brazilian, talking to an Argentinian, talking to a Spaniard, talking to a Frenchman, talking to a kid from Newcastle, talking to a kid from London. Talk to them. Talk to them about their family. Talk to them about their feelings. Talk, talk to them about their life uh, uh, and their life expectancy. Because they're different people. They're different. You know, footballers, you know, that, that, you know they spent an awful lot of their time just doing one thing. And that's kicking a ball of leather around the, the training room for three hours. Talk to them. And, 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 and Eddie Howe's big to that. And, and if you look at it, you look at the way that they came back. You know, I bet you 100% there are four or five players in that squad who Eddie Howe and his squad will turn around and say, he's a completely different human being now because he talks to people. He listens to people. He's, 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 he's found a mate here. He's found a mate there. They've, they've discovered that they both speak Spanish. They've discovered that they both like jigsaws. They're both, you know, they, they, they found it that, that they both do FIFA. You might find all sorts of strange things, but honestly, it's important. It's important. So do it in Dubai, do it in Saudi Arabia, do it in America, do it in Australia. Ando, going back to Ando, I mean, they used to run up and down the store, uh, run up and down the dunes at Whitley Bay. I mean, that wasn't quite as much fun. But just do it. Do it. Get to know each other. Josh, uh, morning. He says, now Bruno's played a couple of games. Who do you think are the three best in midfield at Newcastle? Mm. I it's, a, it's a big question, that, because Joe Linton yeah. has turned things around. Willock's in there. You know, Bruno, I mean, it's. I'm glad I don't have to pick the team. Mate. Well, I'll tell you why it's a very interesting question, because I can't remember which game it was. Um, it must have been on... It must have been the... It was the first game, was it was it pre-Chelsea, where Shelby and Bruno played together. And what he did yeah. was what he did was he, he he pushed he pushed on Bruno and and left Shelby as the holding player. And then very quickly, after about 20 minutes, realized he'd got it wrong and admitted to it and had to change it. And basically pushed Bruno in and all almost almost went to a six across the middle. And as a result, I just thought at the time, he's going to have a little bit of a problem here, Eddie Howe, because you can sense 
that Shelby and Bruno are very similar in the way that they play. You know, because we don't know an awful lot about Bruno, I've been told by a lot of Brazilian experts that he's a fabulous player. He's got a good attitude. Um, he works hard, but he probably, probably doesn't score an awful lot of goals. Isn't one of those who's going to burst forward, isn't going to, isn't going to run in the way that maybe Willock or the, maybe the likes of, of Joel Linton on occasion will carry the ball. He tends to want to play the ball. He was doing that against Everton. He was brilliant in that first half against uh, Everton. He was just spreading it. It was left and right. Gordon was bouncing off him, but he was just holding the ball up. Now, Shelby is that same player. And I think as much as there's an argument that would say to me, you would leave out a Willock or a Joe Linton ahead of a Shelby and a Bruno, you've then got to argue that they are different types of players. And you can't have midfield players, especially if you're playing a three, who are doing the same job. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous having two holding, especially in a game where you need more options going forward. So I think, I think in order to read the question and to try and read what Eddie Howe might think about it, I think it will be horses for courses. I think that's what it will be. It'll be horses for courses. There will be games, I think, where... Shelby will have to be left out. Bruno will stay. I think there'll be other times when maybe Shelby and Bruno will play together and a Joe Linton or a Willock at this minute in time will be left out. It's going to have to be it's going to have to be worked one way or another, one game or the next. You can't do it anymore. Once upon a time, Steve, you know as well as I do, when we were kids, the same 11 weren't picked every week. Every week. He played one. He played two. The other left-back played three. The, the midfield players played a four and a ten. The centre-halves played the five and the six. The wide players played the 11 and the seven, etc., etc. Doesn't happen anymore. Doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, Jordy Tune for Life says he's lightening the mood in the chat. He says, uh, brown, so brown sauce and a bacon sarny, Mick? <laughs> or red? Or one of them, yeah. <laughs> just, just the BF I make, I'm afraid. No, no sandwiches. I will have brown sauce, yeah. I would have brown sauce, there you go. Yeah. Uh, don't don't play Miggy and Willock, says Jopardini. Yeah, I mean, Almiron's been back in and um, doing his usual, running around and putting lots of effort in. But, you know, there's there's no end product, Mick, is there with, with Almiron, said, sadly. I, Steve, I said it last week, uh, and I've said it before, and I've said it many times. Um and I like him. I like the lad. Uh, there's, there's an awful lot to like about him, especially his attitude. But he's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. He's not good enough. He's not good enough. I've said before, he was, at the, you know, he, he was playing football at the MLS. Now, I'm not going to say for a world that there are no players, no players whatsoever who are good enough, regular MLS players who are good enough to play top-level Premier League. I'm not saying there's none. But there aren't many. There aren't many. If you were a top, top player, you wouldn't have been at the MLS in the first place. So to sign him and, and, and to buy him, yes, it was an option. Yes, you've probably taken a chance on him. But he just isn't good enough. He isn't good enough. He's, he's quite quick, but he's frail as well. I mean, he, he, he never went down. He, he went down again against Everton. And he's, he, he, he's, he, he's, he's not strong enough on occasions for Premier League football. But he's on top of that, regardless of his strength, regardless of this, that and the other. And yes, the bonus is he works hard. Talent. He's just not talent. I mean, he, he, he had one great run at, at, at the byline, pulled the, pulled the ball back at the byline. But other than that, other than that, you'd, you'd, I, I'd, I'd be absolutely staggered. I'll be staggered, Steve, if he is still at this football club next season. The blonde lad Mick couldn't think of. Was it Tom Davies, he says? Correct, correct. Tom Davies. I remember, yeah, two or three games he was he was being talked about as an England manager. Uh, sorry, a talk, a talk about an England player. I remember a couple of um, match of the day nights when you raved about him. And like I said, he, he was old. He was old school because he, he used to wear his shorts, his uh, socks down. Um, and he was he was very, very talented. But he seems to have disappeared. He seems to have disappeared. So I'm, I'm hoping that, that Anthony Gordon, who I was really, really impressed with 
um, will 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 carry on the way that he's playing because he's he's played at England level, Gordon, all the way through. Most of the kids, um, he's an he's an under twenty three player. Let's just see, let's just see. But that's not that's not our problem unless we bought him, of course. But I don't yeah. think that I don't think that'll happen either. Kenny says Almiron was all we could get at the time with the owner. We had very little money. Very possibly, Steve. Absolutely. I agree with that. I, I, I nearly said that when I made the point there. You know, there was a time when we were scrimping and saving to try and get anybody we could do. You know, now we're at a, going back to that argument about hard work, then winning, then consistency, then the quality. That's what we're expecting from the summer onwards. We're looking to make this squad greater quality and not just quality in terms of because somebody touched upon it just now it's not just about quality in terms of you you know you, you buy a, a van nistelrooy you buy a top player you buy a, a van dyke at center back we're not just talking about that we're talking about buying enough quality players so that all of a sudden your bench your bench has got quality too that's what it's all about we, we, you know, we don't have enough on the bench now. Let's hope that not only do we get, uh, you know, a 25-man squad of star-studded, but we certainly get a 25-man squad that has enough in terms of an 11 and then another seven at least who, uh, who, who give us the option. Like at Everton, like at Everton, when, you know, for the first, well, first time in a little while, we were, we were, we were, we were flogging a dead horse. Last 20 minutes, we were doing nothing. We were doing nothing. If he'd had the option, and the only option he had was ASM, who has that inconsistency. Yes, he might have he might have plucked one out of the top corner, and we might have been saying about something completely different. But more often than not, he will be inconsistent. But if we had three or four other possibles on the bench once upon a time, then Eddie Howe could have said, right, we'll stick him in. We'll give Joe Willock a breather and put him in. We'll give Chris Wood a breather and put him in. I mean, we don't even have an op. We don't even have an option of a centre of a centre forward, no. you know. So again, going back to the Chris Wood argument, yes, he's not been the greatest, but the poor lad is is literally the only option we have as a centre forward. And it's not just it's not just about getting a goal or two goals or three goals. It's about working hard. It's about holding the ball up. It's about making life difficult for centre backs of the opposition that allows a bit of space for your midfield players to come on and create opportunities or for Joel Linton to get the header against Brentford, those sorts of things. That's what Chris Wood was doing. In an ideal world, I agree, you probably, long-term, he, he has no long-term future for me. But at this minute in time, don't knock him. Don't knock him. He has been an integral part of a, of a run of games that have almost, almost, kept us in the Premier League. Yeah, Roger Cook says, yes, make a not two keepers on the bench, which, of course, we had for a, a while, uh, you know, before that. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah great points. Uh, as always, everybody in the chat, thanks for, for taking part. Uh, we'll finish off uh, lots of conversations. Jordy Tune for life, what have you done? Vince Smith says, red sauce for me. Uh, Alan, <laughs> Alan says, it's got to be both. Red and brown yeah, sauce. What, yeah, on, yeah. What, on, the bur on a burger? Or a, what, what, never. <laughs> Derek says, ketchup on a burger, but brown on sausage or bacon. Uh, Here's one for you. Here's one for you. Brown sauce on bacon, ketchup on fish fingers, man. Fish fingers. Fish <laughs> finger sandwiches with ketchup. There you go. <sighs> Great show, Stephen. Make off to cut the grass. Good luck, Rachel. Great show, everyone. Thanks, John. Thanks for everything you do, mate, with uh, qtechshop.co.uk. Mick, uh, it's a premiership-free weekend. FA yeah. Cup, of I'll course, see you, I'll weekend. see you in a month. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'll tell, tell you what it is. It's my birthday, the Spurs game. So I'm not, uh, I've not been to the new stadium yet. So I'm in the process of planning to get to, because I was a college at White Hart Lane at, at, uh, at Tottenham, in Tottenham as well. So I wouldn't mind seeing a few old haunts, but also I've not seen that stadium, but also it's my birthday as well. So April, what was April the 2nd? It's now been moved to April the 3rd, but any old excuse to, to, to get down there and have a few beers and watch the match. Joppa Dini's having fish fingers for his dinner. Uh, he says, get it's in. Bit, he says it's a bit odd that fish fingers sandwiches are the bomb, yeah. says John Justice Allen. Uh, there you go. Lots of support for them. Have a great day, Mick. Have a good weekend. And you, pal. Take it easy. Take care. Bye-bye.